0: Nehemiah chapter 8 this evening. We sang about it, so we're going to see it here too tonight. Return to God's Word. That's what the people did in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter number 8, they returned to God's Word. And we're going to see that tonight as well. And when someone mentions Nehemiah, we often think about the rebuilding of the wall, right? Or you may recall the prayer that Nehemiah had and the, uh, the fact that he was nervous to appear before the king with a sad face. You know, he was the king's cupbearer there. And he didn't want to appear with a sad face before the king. He wasn't sure what happened. You may think about those things. And this is in the book of Nehemiah, but it's really got to do with Ezra. But Nehemiah was there. We'll see that here in just a minute when we read our passage. Uh, he was present at this event. But it's a different point here. Once the construction of the wall was complete... The people could dwell in a little bit more safety, a little bit more security. Uh, They felt better about where they were at. And so they uh, uh, were able to uh, take back and look into God's word again and begin uh, the worship that they had not done in a while because of the uh, destruction. So there was a return to God's word. And here specifically the people are under the leadership of Ezra, the Levites, other people, and they renewed the covenant by reading God's word. This also took place in a time period where there were a lot of feasts uh, and other things. The Jewish New Year, we'll look at that in just a moment. So there was a lot of things happening all at one time in Nehemiah chapter number 8. Let's read there together, beginning in verse number 1. It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattathiah, and Shema, and Ananiah, and Uriah, and Hilkiah, and Messiah, and on his right hand, and on his left hand, Padiah, Mishael, Malchiah, Hashem, and Hashpadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam, I almost made it, Meshulam, sorry. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And he opened it. All the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Jeshua and Bani, Shirabiah, Gemin, Akab, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jozebad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tishratha, And Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful again to be able to be here and to... Look into your word tonight, God. I pray that you would add your blessing to the reading of your word and help us, God, tonight to see what you have for us here uh, at this portion of Scripture, God. Apply it to our hearts and lives, and may we be in tune with your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. So they were there, the construction done, the feasts. Here's the feasts that were happening. There were, there were several. There was the Feast of Trumpets, okay? The Jewish New Year celebrated on a Sabbath day which is a rest day, of course. It's the day they took of rest, perhaps commemorating the day that God gave the original Ten Commandments. We read that in Exodus 19 or 20. So that's an important time there. Uh, this is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is our rest. Now, that doesn't mean it's wrong to take a day off during the week. It certainly is okay to do that. But the fulfillment of what the Sabbath really means is fulfilled in Jesus Christ in the new covenant. He is our rest, Luke 22, 20. Likewise, also after the cup, after the supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The new covenant, the New Testament uh, that Christ made fulfills this. The Day of Atonement was happening at the same time. The high priest made the atonement for the sacrifice once a year for the entire nation. And so the people did not work during that time. It was a time of introspection, a time of reflection on things, and to understand what was happening there. "...with the Day of Atonement, taking away the sins of the nation once a year as the High Priest entered the Holy of Holies." Of course, this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ when He died on the cross and gave the ultimate sacrifice, the last one that ever had to be made. We don't have to continually do this. Jesus Christ made the final sacrifice by giving His own life on the cross for us. He's risen again. And then the Feast of Tabernacles also was happening, to remember when God provided for them in the wilderness... And that was a time of God, of the reading of the law, the reading of God's word during that time. It was also a time when Gentiles were invited, and I'll read this here, and then we'll, we'll look at it again later. But Deuteronomy 31, 12 said, gather all the people together, men and women and children and the stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of the law. So the Feast of Tabernacles was significant, or the Feast of Booths is significant, because the Gentiles were invited to hear what God had to say as well and to come together for that. We read about Solomon's prayer for the Gentiles whenever we read in Second Chronicles chapter number 6, part of his great prayer for the dedication of the temple. This was also the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, where Jesus called all men to himself. John 7, 37 and 38 called people to come to him and to follow him at the Feast of Tabernacles. So there's a lot of significance here for us that, that at the same time that all these things are happening, the wall was completed finally, and the people have gathered together. Captivity is over. Tem- the wall is rebuilt. The temple will come uh, later on. Time of renewal, time of dedication, a time of returning to prayer, returning to God's Word. And that's very important for us because the same thing is true for us today. God's Word is a guide. It is, it is a map for us in the wilderness of life. The Holy Spirit is our guide, and we go through life with the right heading when we do the same things here that the people did in Nehemiah chapter number 8. And so we're going to look, first of all, at seeking God's word, first of all, seeking God's word. And that comes in verses 1 to 3 of Nehemiah chapter 8. Notice in verse 1 again, all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. So I want you to notice first, they were all gathered together in unity. They were gathered together as one man. When I think about things like that, I think about like uh, a choir or an orchestra or a band. Everyone plays together. There's different sounding voices. There's different sounding instruments. But everybody has a unity of purpose, and that is to play the music well. And they may sound different, but they've come together in unity. And that's the way that corporate worship was this day. And this is the way that our corporate worship today should be. God gives us different talents and different uh, spiritual gifts and different uh, things. but we come together, we should be in one mind in the same way. Unity of heart and spirit gathered when the word of God is open. They gathered by the water gate, which is where they would have socialized in that day. They didn't come to socialize this day. They came to hear God's word being read. And so notice that first of all. But notice also, too, it was the people who asked. Look again at verse number one. They spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. The people desired that Ezra would bring the book out and begin reading it to them. And that's very important. God's word was read during this time anyway, but the fact that the people asked for it shows that they had a real dedication to hearing it being read and a desire and a hunger for God's word to be read to them again at this time. They were ready to renew the covenant. They were ready to hear from God again and to follow God's laws. Sometimes when we, uh, in our life, we stray away, don't we, from from following God's word. We may lose our way in this world, so to speak, but we always can come back to God's word. The people had left following God's word and, and their judgment came. They were in captivity for 70 years, but that was over now. Now they wanted restoration. And what's good about that is God wants to give restoration. And he does to those who come truly seeking it in humility, wanting to be reconciled and restored the brokenness in their lives. So we need to get to that place, too, in our lives, I think, where we are asking for God's word daily. We are desiring it and hungering after God's word and being in his word daily as the people were here. And then I want you to see, too, in verse number two, the people that came, who all came, verse number two says, Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding. So everybody was there, just as it said in Deuteronomy, for everybody to come together. But we've got men, we've got women, those that could hear with understanding. So we're talking children as well uh, that are growing up to understand and to hear the word of God. Let's go, to, let's go to that passage. I read a portion of it a minute ago, but Deuteronomy chapter 31, if you will, tonight Deuteronomy chapter 31, we'll read the whole thing. There's a really important reason why God has called all these together. There's a really important reason why children are there as well. And Deuteronomy chapter 31 gives us that. Verse number 9, beginning there, Deuteronomy 31, verse 9. And it says there, And Moses wrote this law, delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them saying at the end of every seven years in the solemnity of the year of release in the Feast of Tabernacles, the time of year that they were in that we just read about in chapter eight. When all Israel has come to appear before the Lord, thy God in the place, which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children And the stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. Notice verse 13 now. And that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. So there's a purpose and a reason there. Because the children didn't see the things that the adults had seen, but it was for them to, to read it. And it says, as long as you live in the land, whether you should go over Jordan to possess it. The reason that it's important, the reason that it was good is because all the people were there, the children especially, because they had not known or seen the things. So it's good for us when we come together to God's Word to remember and realize that Christianity and what this Bible here is, is years and years and thousands of years of God's Word being handed down to us. Things that people in a, in a new generation have not seen or heard but need to know from the ones that are in the older generation and need to remember and need to be taught and need to be read so they would follow in God's ways as well so that that, uh, others would come to know God and that they would follow in His way as well. And so it's very significant that all of those people were gathered there that day. And then notice again in verse number 3, they were attentive to the Word of God. Back in our main text, uh, uh, Nehemiah 8, verse number 3, and he read therein before the street, that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men, the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law, that they're attentive, it's concentrate, be focused on, be observant, they were there for morning until midday, you know, that's one of the ways that we think about worshiping God with all of our minds is when we pay attention to the reading of God's word, when we're, when we're attentive to it, when we read it on our own, which hopefully we do, and when we're attentive, when we read it uh, corporately in a worship service or, or other times of the day where we may have opportunity to do so, a Bible study, a Sunday school class, uh, those type of things, we're giving attention to the reading of God's word because God is worthy of that. It's worth our time to hear God's word being read. And when we give worth to God, we are worshiping him. We're saying it's important what we're doing right here. It's worth the time that it takes to read through it. And we ascribe worth to God. We worship him with our minds. And so being attentive to the reading of God's word. Because here's the reality. The word of God is just as powerful today as it it was then, as it ever was. The law had not changed from when Moses had given it to the time that Ezra is reading it right here. It hasn't changed since then either. It's still just as powerful today as it was then. Matthew five eighteen: for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Jesus told us that in the Sermon on the Mount, that the law would remain, the Old Testament, the word of God would remain. and would be as powerful and unchanged as ever. Sometimes today, you may hear this, you may have heard this before at one time in your life, you may have said it one time in your life, I don't know. But they say things like, hey, you know, why doesn't God speak to us the same way that he did in the Old Testament? And of course, what they mean is in an audible voice from the sky, like, this is what you will do, you know, kind of thing, like we see in the Old Testament with prophets. But that type of thinking is really not very biblical and not very accurate, really. Because God has given us the revealed Word of God right here, and when we start thinking that way, we start saying those kind of things. It's almost like we're saying, "Well, this really isn't good enough. I need something else besides this to help me out." When it, when it, when we think that way, or when we when we when we walk around that way, the truth is that God has revealed to us all that we need already right here. And so attentive, being attentive to God's Word, it was revealed. It's the revealed Word that the Holy Spirit uses to convict and change. And move us to become more like his son, Jesus. We have instruction, we have wisdom, we have spiritual nourishment from God's word every day. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's for everything, for all of us, everything we need. And God's word truly is inspired... It's inerrant. It's infallible. But here's a word that we need to start saying, too. It's sufficient because there's so many people today that say, well, we need some of these other philosophies. We need some of these other things to help us kind of understand. This is what we need right here. This is what we need to understand and what we need for our lives. It's sufficient to answer every question that we have. And so being attentive and uh, to God's word as the people were there as well. We need to be in the word if we're going to be of the word. Notice number two, honoring God's word. Verse number four now. Nehemiah chapter uh, eight, number four says, Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. So notice there we have the location first of all in honoring God's, where we have the location. okay Ezra stood in a place that was elevated above the people that was built for that purpose. Notice those things. Now we, we do have the word here's translated pulpit. If you have a King James, you may have a, a different English translation, might say podium or platform or something of that nature, uh, which may have been a little bit more accurate in one sense because it was a raised platform that could support 13 people. You read those names, there's 12 names plus Ezra. There's 13 people standing on this thing, okay? So it's not maybe, it may have had something like this, okay, let's, so they could lay the scroll on it. But we're talking about a whole platform here. But there is a great significance, and I don't want to diminish that. There is a great significance of of someone who stands here and proclaims God's word, and stands and proclaims the truth of what's going on or reads God's word. There is a significance. There is something important about it. The location is very important. This is a place of honor, okay? And it's not the person that's standing in it, but it's the power behind the word of God. And it's who, uh, it's what is being read that gives the importance. Men are fallible. Men make mistakes, but the word of God goes on forever. And the book was opened in all the sight of the people. So he's going to read all of it. He's not going to skip over things. He's not going to pick and choose where he reads from. He's going to open the thing up and read the whole entire law. Because all of the Bible is important for us. We just read that, 2 Timothy. All of it is important for us. It's also demonstrating that he's not reading something else. The people could see what he was reading. People could tell that he was reading from from the law and not whatever would have been the equivalent of a different book back then. It's important to know that. But also there were men standing with him at that location. They were supporting the work of Ezra as he proclaimed the law. That's a very important thing today. And I love what Pastor David Guzik said in his commentary. He said, The ministry of God's word has the greatest effect when people can see men who are in support of it and obedience to it. It's a great effect when others are standing there supporting and being obedient to God's word as well, those that will stand in the gap, those that will uh, proclaim and and, and be seen and be counted as well, like these men were. They were all standing upon this pulpit of wood. They were all standing up there so that they could read the word and proclaim it to all the people. But there's another significant thing here as well. They had made that preparation. Look again at verse number 4. Ezra stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made, for the purpose, for the purpose of reading God's word that day, they had made this platform specifically. And there's a lot of preparation that we do, is there not? There's a lot of preparation. People uh, uh, come here and, and and practice, and you may read through a Sunday school lesson if you're a Sunday school teacher at home or you're teaching a Bible study. Um, there's a lot of preparation that's made the, the, the building is made sure that it's clean and different things. You know, there's all kinds of things that we do to prepare. But can I tell you the most important thing that we have to prepare is our own heart. It's our own heart. What we do during the week, how we handle God's word personally, that's the best preparation that can go on. They prepared a, a platform of wood, but the Holy Spirit, we can see from what we've already read, and we'll see again, the Lord will, and later on as well, the people's hearts were prepared to receive God's word. And so for us today, when we come into worship, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Bible study during the week, is our heart ready? Is our heart prepared to hear the worship is, and to, to hear God's word and to uh, encounter it? Is our heart prepared before we even come? So we, we need to, as they did, give the proper respect, the proper honor to God's word. So they made this place where he could stand and read the word. But then we also see the people had a response to that word when it was being read. Look at verse number five. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And verse six, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They had a response to God's word being read and responding to God's word correctly is one of the greatest pathways to spiritual renewal. We want to experience like a personal revival. If we want to see a revival, we need to read and respond correctly to God's word. They stood up for the reading of it. They also did other things. They lifted their hands as a sign of receiving God's blessing. Ezra blessed God. They received God's blessing. They lifted their hands. The standing of it is a sign of honor. They bowed themselves. They worshiped the Lord. So this reading of God's word opened up a great worship service for them that day. They were demonstrating this verse, I believe, Deuteronomy 6, 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. They were worshiping the Lord completely and totally in all parts. They were prepared for that, and they came before, and whenever the word of God was read, they responded correctly to it in humility and repentance and worship and honor to God, and honor to the Word. And then Ezra says this in verse number 6, He blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. He was the worship leader that day, so to speak. Now, God is called great in many places. And even in our hymns today, we sing things like, How Great Thou Art, right? And How Great is Our God. We sing a song, there's actually two songs that have this name now, but it's, Great Are You, Lord? So we sing about the greatness of God at all times. We sing about it. It's in our songs. It's in the Bible. There's so many things about the greatness of God. Deuteronomy 10:17 says this, For the Lord your God is a God of gods, and a Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. And so this greatness here is something that stands out and something that stands above all other things. And that's clearly shown in the verse from Deuteronomy. The word of God is all we need. It's the roadmap. And why is that? Because it's the great and mighty God who gave it to us, who is above all others, who gave us his words to follow and to learn from and to grow in our faith. And finally this evening, we see here the understanding, understanding God's word in Nehemiah 8, 7 through 10. We'll look there again. Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah and Jamin and Acab and Shabbathai, and Hadajai, and Messiah, and Kilita, Azariah, Jozebad, Hanan, Paliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So we see, first of all, that there were some men assigned to helping them understand. The Levites and the priests were there, and they gave some specific names to these people, But then all the Levites that were able to do so were there as well. Now, these Levites and these priests were there for, one, a practical reason, and one, a very important reason that we still do today. Two reasons why they had to interpret and help people understand the law. One of the first ones was just the fact that there were so many people returning from captivity that had grown up speaking Aramaic when they were in Babylon. And they're reading the law of God out loud in Hebrew. And so there would have been, of course, people there at the day that knew how to speak Hebrew. And if someone read Hebrew to them, they would know. They would know what it was saying. But there were a lot of people there that wouldn't because they did not, they did not grow up speaking Hebrew. They came back from the captivity. And so one reason there were so many people there is because, hey, they needed to know what it was even saying in a language they could understand. But there's a more important reason that these people were here, giving the meaning. And maybe they were out there. Maybe Ezra would read a certain portion of it, and then they would take time to explain it to small groups of people they were standing around right there in the middle. I don't know how they would have done it. It doesn't really give a description of that. But I could see that, right? Ezra reads, you know, five or six verses maybe. And then the Levites say, this is what it means. And they speak it in Aramaic, and they speak it in Hebrew, and they talk about it. But the more important reason, other than just translating into a language they could speak, And understand was this, they gave the meaning. What does it inquire? What does it require of us? God's word always requires a response from us. And so giving these meanings for clarity, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the same is true for us today, is it not a lot of times we need clarity, we need understanding as we read the scripture. And we talked about this Sunday night, We don't need a priest to come and tell us what it is. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. That's one of those acrostics of the word Baptist, okay? Priesthood of the believer, that the Holy Spirit dwelling in us gives us the ability to have the understanding when we come to God's word and read it. And so we have that today. We read with understanding. We can compare scripture to other scripture. The Holy Spirit will bring things to mind. First Corinthians two thirteen says, "Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth." Comparing spiritual things with spiritual—that's a very important part of the work of the Holy Ghost in the life of the believer. And so, God's word is all that we need for our learning, for our spiritual understanding. And just as the Levites went out in the crowd that day in verses 7 and 8, so the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and life, helping us to understand what we need for us as well. And the people have another response, another reaction to this as well. Verse 9 and verse 10. Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe of the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept, and they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So obviously here, conviction gripped the hearts of the people, so much so that they had a proper and a correct response to the reading of God's word. And their weeping and their mourning was a proper response for the day of atonement, but it wasn't a proper response for the day of The Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. That was a joyous occasion. So again, there's a lot going on in Nehemiah chapter 8. A lot of celebration and a lot of conviction, all happening at one time. But here's the point: when God's word is read and conviction comes to us, we need to respond correctly to it as the Holy Spirit is directing our life as well. So Nehemiah and Ezra, the other Levites there, they understand, they see that the people are truly uh, heartbroken over the things, wanting to renew their covenant. But they also advised them, hey, this is a day of celebration as well because you uh, want to. This is the start of a revival. You have a desire for the Word. You have a desire to be obedient. And it's so important for us personally as well that we have those times where we come into God's Word and it revives us personally. And we give attentive uh, attention uh, on our own that when we come together, the Word is free. The people went out and they celebrated the fact that they could once again understand and obey the word. And if you were to read the rest of chapter 8, you would find that people begin to do this. If we had time tonight to talk about it, we would see how the people began to obey God's word once again and begin to live according to what the word was teaching them. And that's the response that we should have as well, I believe, today when we come into God's word. Psalm 119, 105 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light. Unto my path. And I think there, there should be a return to God's word, a, a setting of the importance of God's word once again in our lives, because it is our life. It is the words of life. We, we sometimes allow the devil to distract us, to distract our minds. This world tries so hard to lull us into sleep. Just live your life. It's kind of like that cradle rocking back and forth. The baby goes to sleep, right? Don't worry about anything. Don't think, just go on. With our routine and our and our lives, but we need to give this a priority. We need to give God's word a priority. I know it's a Wednesday night crowd, but you know maybe there's someone here today that you know that you have never you've never uh, given your heart to Christ. You've never had a time in your life where you did that. And when there is God's word convicting us, we need to respond correctly because God's word also teaches us how to be saved. It teaches us that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to, to be saved other than through him and the resurrection, the reconciliation we can have. But maybe tonight, too, you've seen that maybe we, you haven't given the, the kind of importance to God's word that you should have in your life. Maybe you say, well, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a Christian. But maybe I haven't been given as much significance to God's word as I should have been in my life. I don't leave tonight anybody without uh, being responsive to the Holy Spirit, being obedient to it. When, we, when the conviction comes and when hearing that, because God is speaking to us. God is speaking clearly to us all the time in God's word. If we will listen, if we will open our ears. I heard this, I'll close with this. I heard this illustration one time before. Right now in this room, did you know there's all kinds of music and talking going on? You say, what are you talking about? There's radio waves going through this building right now. Yeah, yeah. From radio stations all over the place. Now we can't hear it because we don't have a radio right now. But if we got a radio out and we plugged it in or we put batteries in it and we tuned the dial, we could hear that radio station come in right now from right where we are. And so the point is this. It's not that God is not speaking. It's that whether or not we're tuned in to listening to his voice. Are we tuned in to listening to God's voice? Return to God's word and hear him speak in our lives. Let's stand together as we close tonight.